because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. If you are looking for more of that, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or visit our website at wihhw.com. Now that you've been informed, things are about to get weird. Welcome to What I Had Heard Was. I am Jennifer. I'm Anna. And I'm Diane. And this week, our guest is Tisha Perkins. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. This week, we're going to discuss death and the afterlife. (laughs) I wish somebody would have written a book about death and the afterlife. I believe someone did. I wonder who that could be. (laughs) (laughs) Can we tell us about your book? The book is a YA fiction, young adult. Um, It's about a girl who is murdered and has no memory of what happened, but she is now a spirit. And as a spirit who died in a very um, violent manner, she goes to a sanctuary for spirits to basically deal with their trauma of being killed or how they died. Um, She tries to collect her memories of what happened in her life because what she does remember is not um, the reality of what the world was that she lived in. So she has sort of a false sense of who she was and what the world was. So she's trying to piece together what actually happened while missing memories and soon realizes that the sanctuary aspect of Ravenshaw is not actually a safe space for spirits at all as spirits are disappearing. So she's going to have to make some very tough decisions when it comes to finding her truth by, versus finding the truth in the world that she is now living in or existing in as a spirit. Very cool. That's awesome. So it's kind of like a, a mystery who done it along with the self-reflection. Right, right. I really wanted to kind of go past the whole go into the white light and seeing all the relatives. And because, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I think you don't know, nobody really knows. Everyone has a very different story when they talk about, you know, some things that have happened to them. Some people have, you know, the light and the family members and some people, they don't have that. And I kind of wondered what circumstances would create a situation where things might not be that traditional sense of going to the afterlife and seeing family and friends. But I also wanted to touch on, um, I mean, spirits is they're human beings without their meat suits anymore. So they still have their personalities and they still have their likes and dislikes and, and how that will end up reflecting as a spirit trying to interact in the living world. You have the people who say, I hear, hear knocks and noises versus I actually see someone walking through. Well, why are there differences? So I kind of wanted to creatively try to touch on that a little bit. So the themes that you tackle in this book and the approach that you take to tackling those themes, is it related to any of your own experiences or beliefs or is it maybe challenging the what you have already experienced or heard or and you use the word traditional so I just wondered how your perspective uh translated into the book is compared to these traditional values that's a really good question yes actually my it started when my daughter asked me she told me she was afraid about dying and death 
and <clears throat> traditionally, sorry, traditionally, you know, that's when you talk about the difference of heaven and hell and all this other stuff. And I realized that nobody really knows. So I asked her, I said, you know, your Mima's in heaven. She's like, yeah. I said, do you think your Mima would be happy as a person if her people were not with her when they passed? Like, do you think she'd be the same? Like, what kind of person would she be if she was missing someone and was still living in this existence of eternal bliss and happiness if any of her people were missing? Like, that would not be your Mima. And she's like, yeah. And I said, yeah. And that really kind of untethered some things for me. It made me realize that we really don't know. And I think that um, it, it's a lot bigger and broader than what we've tried to condense down into words and language. And it, it just expanded sort of the thought process from there, because I have had things that have happened that don't fit into that traditional idea of, you know, either, either go up or down or, you know, and then you, and then that's it. And it, it always bothered me that I didn't have a way to sort of talk out my experiences because it's, it was either it's always this or it's something terrible and evil and horrible. And it's like, maybe it isn't though. Like maybe it's okay to not say, I don't know, but it's also okay to say, you know, there's a lot more ways to look at this than just black and white. And that, that really kind of opened up the door and so I did put some of my experiences in the book that I've had um, as far as how spirit is seen um, describing. So, I mean, everyone talks about seeing like a, like a, a white mist image or a person from an, another time. And that has never been my experience, which was really confusing to me. I've seen like, <laughs> this is going to sound really horrible and, it, and just like out of a horror movie, but it really is not. I was not upset at the moment it happened, but I see like body parts. Like I'll see like a hand going across my child, my son's head when we were, you know, hanging out one time I saw this, just my grandmother's hand, like go across his face. I've seen um, the ends of a woman's skirt, like a long skirt passing through a hallway. So it, it, even apparitions were not like the Hollywood standard things that you see. They were like these broken bits and I didn't have any, and they weren't evil or harmful. So they didn't fit in that category of, you know, a terrible, horrible thing. It was just sort of like somebody kind of passing through. I mean, if you're a ghost and you can walk anywhere, why not walk through houses? I mean, no big deal, right? There's no doors or walls. You just exist. So... If I if I could do that as a ghost, I would be such a voyeur. Like, because yeah. I love watching reality TV shows, you know. So it, it would just I would just hit, hang out in the corner, you know, of a room oh, with yeah. some popcorn and just be like, "What's going on today?" No, right. Next house, I'd know? be some kid's imaginary friend telling him how awesome they are all the time. Like, I would not be the jerk <laughs> hiding under the bed. I I you know, and but yeah, I mean, but those things don't. And, and what I was raised in, I guess there was that restriction of you just see that then there's something wrong with me. And it's like, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> like what a concept, like maybe this is just something you don't understand yet. So yeah, it goes much further. I really think your 
intentions came across in the book because when I was reading that part where you only saw or that the character only saw parts of their bodies of the spirits bodies Mm -hmm. I really did have that moment where I was like I have never thought about that before I oh it's either spirit full image or energy no image right and there's never this in between and she kind of has this the character has this moment where she slowly sees pieces of them and it was it was a moment for me to just be like wow that's a new new way to look at it yeah and that that does come from personal now i'd love to have like the full to be able to see the full picture but that is not that is not my that's that's the fiction part where i imagine it but yeah i just yeah i just think that we need to look at i want to look at broader perspectives i was so encased for so long with this is how it is that when that came down, it was like, wow, I, I want to know everything. Like, I want to know everybody's experience. So as, as a side note, kind of going along with this, um, Corey and I have been uh, binge watching the TV show Lucifer. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Uh, obviously, Jennifer has. She just commented on it. Um, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, but the great thing in it is that um, as the series goes on, uh you learn that hell is your own making. Each individual has their own specific hell and it's some sort of guilt or something that they haven't come to terms with that they are torturing more or less themselves over and over and over again. So then that way, if they can forgive themselves and move past that, then they can move on to heaven. And, um, you know, the angels then realize that the powers that they have are self-actualized as well. And so I think this goes along with what you're saying is a different way of looking at things. It's not one baseline rule of this is what heaven is, this is what hell is, this is what happens to you when you die. It's the fact of you kind of make it your own thing. You make it your own heaven. You make it your own hell. And um, who's to say what's right or wrong right and by doing so it's less scary right that's where this came from too you said your daughter was expressing fear and these kinds of conversations where it's not just the black and white makes it a little bit more palatable a little less scary yeah yeah uh especially considering that um we have completely removed death from our everyday conversation except for it being this ultimate final scary thing. Um, like uh, the Victorians, for example, you know, they um, embraced it. Uh, the Egyptians embraced it. Um, lots of different cultures t- throughout time. It Death is just part of life. It's a circular thing. You live with it. It's not something to be feared. Um, And we have really lost that. We've lost that sense of connection. And so it's good to have these conversations to remind ourselves that, you know, this is uh, definitely something that we all need to come to terms with and not just ignore. Right, right. Well, I think people, especially from the background I came from, is if you talked about death, well, you don't have anything to worry about. And then if you are worried, then it represents itself as doubt and you can't doubt because then that, and it's just becomes a circular thing, but 
it, it also takes away the area of grief. I mean, the character, I tried to have her go through the, the grieving process, you know, the stages of denial and anger, and those are all healthy responses. But I think in society, it's kind of become almost a, if you believe in a certain thing, if you experience any of those, you're being selfish or you're being, you know, it, it's unhealthy because you're, you're supposed to believe that this person's in a better place and you should be really happy for them. And we just completely nix that whole you know, dealing with, you know, the loss. And it, I think it removes the fact that personal experience and having somebody experience something with you in your life as you're moving through life, how valuable that is. I mean, let's say they are in a better place and it's great. You will never have those one-on-one conversations again, or those personal life experiences with them. And those are valuable and you're allowed to grieve that. So yeah, I agree. I, I think death being taken out of conversation and, kind of made it a spooky thing or a shameful thing has really hurt a lot, hurt a lot of people. Sure. And I mean, a lot of families, not that long ago, half the children died. You didn't expect all of your kids to survive. It was just a thing. So, you know, that's one of the reasons it was viewed differently. You have 12 kids and maybe you get like four. Who survived to adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine that kind of grieving. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I mean, how hard is that to deal with? How terrified do you become just like, oh shit, I'm pregnant again. Is mm-hmm. this is this going to survive? Or, you know, that's all. I mean, it's a whole other subject. Sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole. But yeah, that's a whole different... Uh, I think they expected it, so it was it was a different situation. Now something like that happens, it's and not that it wasn't devastating then, but if typically half of everybody's kids died, then you would kind of be like, okay, I expect that some of them are not going to make it. Still awful, still awful. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Was there a reason that you chose to portray the perspective of a young? girl like a teenager a senior in high school I think right yeah I I want I wanted to write young adult fiction teenagers I it was such a crucial point in life for me and it was I was so kind of restricted but I discovered in that time period I discovered R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike they were sort of like the teen Stephen King and I loved the writing so much that I, I just wanted to be that. I mean, to me, they were like rock stars. Like nobody else looked at writers that way. But to me, they were just the ultimate just wow factor. And after that, I that was just what I always wanted. And so from the time I was about 13, I was writing. And I was very bad at it. But I had really nice friends who I think realized how important that was to me. And they were just really sweet about my stuff. So... But yeah, it just, and in writing YA fiction, most of the readers are female. So the main character usually is a female. Um, And writing a little bit older, I mean, she's a senior in high school, but mostly middle school to young high school are going to be the ones reading because they want to read about the older kids. They want to read about that older experience. So yeah, it kind of all factors in when, when writing a book for me. I guess I didn't realize that that was the audience of young adult fiction, but it makes sense. 
I mean, I was reading it all the time when I was that age. Yeah, I still read it. I prefer it. It's just not as gruesome. And and it's almost in some ways more simplistic, like, oh, your biggest problem is finding a job and keeping your boyfriend. And and those things are important, especially at that time, because they're the first time you're really experiencing all that. But now as an adult with kids and jobs and all the world, it's like, I would just rather read about simpler times, I guess. But um, yeah, the, the YA actually covers an age range between 11 to 18, 19 years old. And if you think about all your life experience, I mean, from like first crush, first date, first kiss, first dance to having a job and a serious boyfriend and dealing with the complications of that relationship with your friendships and then dealing with, you know, kind of moving into the next stage of life with college and how does, you know, relationships work in that matter. And it, it's just this huge thing and I'm I it's I'm kind of surprised it hasn't in some ways sort of broken up a little bit like I I don't have an issue with a rating system but I'm kind of surprised there isn't something that says this is more like PG level young adult and this is more PG 13 young adult I mean I know there are sites that help families to understand what's in a book so they don't have this kid who's suddenly asking you some really wild questions about sexual things. (laughs) But I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been. I mean, we do it for movies, so I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it for books. We even do it for music. So yeah, but yeah, it's a lot. So you have to kind of pick your little area you're going to be in and then just kind of go for it. So being the dead girl which is the name of your book, which I just realized, I don't know if we actually said that at the beginning <laughs> of all this. Um, I mean, it'll be written on the the podcast notes, but um, so being the dead girl, book one. So there are other books to follow. Yeah, I have a three book. I just got the second book back from an editor and I'm hoping to get it out by June. But yeah, it, it's, I originally, when I started writing it, I wanted to write it to find an agent it was going to be my my next project. So it was a completely kind of different ending, different structure, just, just very different. And then the pandemic hit and a lot of things started going on in publishing that made me sort of um, wonder if maybe self-publishing would just be better just to get started, just to try and get the foot in the door a little bit. And uh, my husband was all for it. He's like, whatever you want to do. So I decided to to go ahead and approach it from a self-publishing standpoint and see see what would happen there. And so how's that been? Oh my goodness. It when I <laughs> when I when I 10 about 10 years ago, I did work with an agent and it was awesome because she was like the biggest cheerleader. And I really miss having someone who would just call and say, you're doing great and this is good and this and this is happening and I'm going to look into this and this. And now it's like, I have all the hats and I don't like them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And some of them do not look good on me at all, but it, it is. um, So I I know the difference of having like a team of people who will edit more because they're all, they don't get paid unless they sell the book. So they're going to work on something they believe in and then they're going to really promote it because everyone wants to get paid. Um, mm-hmm. so as a self-published person, it it's, it's hard finding your audience. It's hard finding a way to um, navigate advertising 
it, it's just, it's all, I, I had to, I had to stop approaching it with the goal of, I just want to do this and be good at it. And, you know, I, of course I want my writing to be good, but I had to approach it more as, um, I don't know what I'm doing and that's okay. And we're <laughs> going to try this and see what happens. And the goal is to learn from the experience, not to like conquer the writing world. It's just to learn from the new thing and decide whether or not it's worth doing it again, or if something different needs to take place. So you have to have your goals or it will just like some days just crush you. <laughs> you just be like, I put in so much work and nothing's happening. It's like, that's okay. That's just sometimes how it is. So yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard for me to take that perspective for sure. That's a very healthy way to look at it and sounds continually challenging for sure. Yeah, I, I, while I was waiting for my book to come back from the editor, I was kind of driving my husband crazy a little bit. I'm like, we need to plan things. We like, he's not busy enough as it is, but he's my cover designer. I'm like, we need to plan, you know, cause we're going to do a booth for this thing coming up and we need to plan out what the giveaway is going to be. And we need to, and, and, and he's got to design it all. So I'm like hitting him with all this, like, we got to get some stuff done. And then I realized <laughs> it's because I don't have anything to work on right now. I'm feeling like kind of helpless like we really should be doing something and he's just like honey it's okay it's okay it's two months away it's okay we're good we're good here so it it yeah you feel like you're constantly kind of talking into a void and sometimes they talk back sometimes and sometimes they disappear and sometimes they hang out for a while but um you just got to keep a steady pace. And I, I found for myself personally, I have to focus on, um, what I feel comfortable with and enjoy and not worry about whether or not, you know, anyone else latches onto that and then wants to follow me like on TikTok or Facebook or anything, because I will burn out trying to please. <laughs> so yeah, you just got to find, I, I just had to find my thing and then just kind of work on it as I could. Audiences are fickle. One day there you have so many feast or famine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lots of trolls. Lots of trolls. <laughs> so some of the other books you've written uh, deal with witches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they do. Um, when Vela came out, it was the new Amazon thing, and I wasn't really sure how that was going to take, and it it didn't build up much steam for me. So I didn't finish the series, but again, I wanted to approach things, not from a, you know, a perspective of good and bad, just, this is what it is that is existing. It's just what this, this world is. It's what it has. So yeah, that, and I, I like researching a lot. I like reading about the different and history and I just love going down the rabbit holes and seeing what there is. Um, the, the first book I wrote was fairies. So it was urban fantasy. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> is that, was that the, uh, the unicorn witch? No, that, that was the Vela. Um, oh. a dangerous longing is, um, an ebook. That was the one that I wrote. It was been a little while back, but it still, still stands. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard trying, I want to say it's hard, but I try not to write what the most popular thing is 
because unless you can write a book within two months and then get it out by the third, you're going, it, I mean, self-publishing runs so quickly, you will miss the boat. And it, it takes me a little while to write and then it takes a little while to get to an editor. So I'm, I'm trying to like, I guess, run alongside popular things, but not like land in the mainstream. Like vampire books are always popular, but they have ebbs and flows a little bit. So it, it's Twilight just kind of blew that up for a little while. And then it really settled down and everything was about um, apocalypse survival. So I, I don't, I try not to go into the mainstream stuff. I run alongside, I think ghosts right now are kind of like that safe space for me because they're never, ever super popular, but they always kind of come up around Halloween and they always, you know, have their moments and the ghost shows on TV have been going for years. So they're sort of the steady safe space, so to speak. There is a safe space. Do you have any uh, favorite ghost shows? Do you watch those or? Oh, I watch all of them. <laughs> um, I don't watch, well, I don't watch Ghost Hunters as much anymore. Um, there was a British show and I can't remember the name of it. I also like watching, um, oh shoot, I'm trying to think of the title. They were an offshoot of Ghost Hunters or there was a, a redhead and another guy named Adam kindred spirits. Yes. Yes. I do watch, <laughs> I do watch kindred spirits. Even I watch kindred spirits. Yeah. So I, I do enjoy that. What was the one that we watched in the, uh, that hotel? Yes. It was ghost adventures at Joe exotic zoo. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that that's just, I saw that. That was just kind of creepy on so many levels. <laughs> the, the people in existence and the other stuff. I mean, that was just. It was appropriate for the night we watched it. So. It, yeah, that was a that was a messed up night. But the show was great. It was. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch. I think our collective fascination with death and afterlife and ghosts and all these things is that you can't really prove it. Right. There's no scientific way to prove what one person experiences versus another person. And so for people who have near-death experiences or have died and have come back to life, um, it's always hard to tell if what they've experienced is what they've actually experienced or are they clinging on to this collective memory that we have created as a society based mm -hmm. off of books and television and ghost stories <laughs> and things we've heard? Right. And, and are they just forceful? Like, it, it, have we just been so indoctrinated that, that it is now part of our own memory and experience? Right. And then depending at what country you're in, I mean, we're a very Christian nation. They go to another country. I mean, they will have very different experiences when they, you know, have near death. And I think that's really interesting too. And especially Japan has some really interesting spirits and it just, it's, there's just so much more than, um, 
our neighborhood and our space. And it, it just, once I was able to let go of the preconceived notions I had, um, it really kind of opened up the idea of, of what, um, not only what could there be after, but I also hit a point of like, I, I had somehow detached the human from the spirit experience. Like I, I used to go to the places where someone died horribly, you know, and they talk about it like it's a ghost story, but it's like, this is a person. Like, do I really want to think this person is stuck here reliving like the most horrific moment of their existence over and over and over again. Right. And yeah. it's like, once I let go of the fact that you have to kind of go to those places to experience spirit activity and realize spirits everywhere, it, it really kind of flipped a switch and made, um, made the world just very unique in that sense. And I mean, my daughter will joke about, I wonder if our house is haunted. And it's like, no, no, it's not. The house isn't haunted and the house isn't haunted, but there are things that go through the house, but I'm not going to tell her that, you know, but yeah, I mean, people, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I was stuck for so long thinking I had it figured out. And then I realized, no, not anywhere close. And everyone's experience is so uniquely theirs. I mean, they only know the setup they were in, the place they were in, what the lighting was, the people, their intentions. It's so personalized that, I mean, I don't know. I have no judgment on anyone. I, I just think it's become a very personal thing. So one of the other themes that you tackle in your book, is it it deals with how the character has this other side of her that contains anger and jealousy and wants revenge it's like she is her there's one side of her spirit that she feels like is her and the other side of the spirit it's like this darkness this anger that she can't um she's afraid she's going to become unified with. Mm -hmm. And don't tell me the end. I still haven't read the end of it. So don't (laughs) tell me what happens at the end. No spoiler. You're right. But, but the point of me bringing this up is I thought that you really tackled that in a creative way that also made me think, and it's a really great way to identify your own, let's say quote unquote demons and how, if you can just identify them, then you can start to deal with them or embrace them, whatever you might want to do. So I thought it was it was a really creative and eye-opening way to personify, in a sense, this these feelings of anger and revenge and things like that. Yeah, that, that comes from an angry teenager perspective that I had <laughs> when I was younger. And as an adult, I kind of realized that I had a tendency to sort of compartmentalize, especially with people that I had issue with. It's like, you can love someone and not want anything to do with them. And that is completely okay. If the space is just not a healthy space to be in, you're allowed those two things. And you don't have to forgive someone to be able to move on healthy. You don't have to um, mend fences. Uh, it, it just, 
I really wanted to just drive home, especially because it's younger people that there are some things we can, we can be okay with our anger and we can be afraid of it and we can, um, fear sort of disappearing into it. But the whole key is that once you recognize it, that's what makes the difference because as long as you all, I mean, that's like the silver lining. Once you recognize this is, um, this is coming from an angry place. This is because I'm, you know, you, you've already taken steps to start healing and fixing things. But I think that, um, it was easier to sort of separate them for the story just to help show the contrast of dealing and especially with afterlife idea of like what happens when you don't have a body and you don't have to worry about any of those things anymore. What do you have left? And you have yourself. So you're dealing with yourself. And yeah, I, I really just, I wanted to make sure the main character wasn't too unlikable. <laughs> like I didn't want to just make her this terrible person. Um, because I always believe that as long as you're alive, you have a chance of redemption. But as a spirit, what does that become? What does that look like? And I think it's just in that story sense, I made it more of almost sort of, um, it almost plays out like a movie idea, just like really dramatic um, sci-fi, though it isn't sci-fi. Just very, like if all your emotions were to be characters and you had to deal with them in order to mesh into them, how would you confront that? How would you deal with that? Um, if you don't have anything else distracting you, you no longer have to prove yourself to your peers. You no longer have to deal with your parents. You no longer, if all that other stuff is gone and it's just you, you know, what are you going to do with yourself? What What's left? So... That, that seems like a very Buddhist-inspired uh, uh, concept right there. The whole, like, <laughs> shedding all your earthly belongings and connections and to basically focus on self and focus on spirit and focus on a bigger picture. But I guess in, your, in this case, a more internal picture mm -hmm. than just these corporal things, our meat suits. Well, I really like the idea of it being its own thing that sh that she can see, that she can feel. That I wish, well, maybe this is too broad of a statement, but I wish that I could see. Like I wish that I could see my anger as this dark, this darkness, and then I can be like, "Oh, that's happening," like you said, and then I can deal with it and recognize it and everything. So I just that was a cool way to look at it. Yeah, when I was younger, I always thought it'd be cool if you could see smells. <laughs> you know, like they do in cartoons. It's like, mmm, that smells delicious. But then I got all self-conscious of like, oh no, but then like people could, you know, see the stink lines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> know where it's and coming from. <laughs> yeah, and then like, what color would those things be? How would it, is it dark? Is it opaque? Is it sparkly? Is it green? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Are you going Charlie Brown or Twilight? <laughs> Either way, it depends on the smell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you could, if you could um, have some sort of physical manifestation of your emotions, as opposed to, well, I guess we kind of do with anxiety and tension, and you know, you get flustered and your cheeks start to, you know, get red or something, or you get pissed and you get a headache. 
that's not nearly as fun as like seeing this cloud build and like, oh, oh, okay. Put that back in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, I also, you know, as far as interpreting spirits and, you know, just the what what the main character gets separated from, they call it her wraith. It's her rage and anger and just everything negative. So it even includes all her negative energy and all her negative feelings and negative thoughts. It is a complete separation of her. Um, and, and, and the world witnessing, you know, just rage, you, you forget that that's a person, like that's a, a broken, hurt person, especially if they're being violent. It, it, it's sort of, um, I wanted to kind of give different interpretations of how spirit can be seen in the human world, basically that idea that they may be, um, um, angry and wrathful, but that doesn't make up the whole of them as an individual, just like a moment tantrum does not make up the whole of the human being. But if that's, you know, intentionally what's left of spirit energy that may come off as somebody who's angry and, um, enraged and how would that look as a ghost to a human? So I, I liked having kind of the human element on the other side, the medium as sort of like this, um, interpretation of what we're used to seeing as far as, well, you know, you're supposed to go to the light and you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. And then she's on the other end going, that just doesn't, that doesn't happen. That's not what's happening. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I really, I really just wanted to find a creative way to sort of bring down some um, old storytelling and maybe introduce a little bit of something different to think about. I always thought of storytelling as a way to give voice to something or give, give voice to a feeling or an idea. And I wondered if there were any other topics that we didn't hit a little bit more nuanced that you felt like you used this platform as a way to give voice to something that you felt or you wanted to share with your audiences? Um, there's actually more coming forward in the next few books, but the, the main idea is, especially when we're younger and myself as a teenager, I knew people who were dating teachers who were having these inappropriate relationships. And it was just like, well, that's just our world. And they're more, mature or whatever. And then as an adult, I'm just like, what was wrong with these adults? What was wrong with these people that they were not seeing these young teenagers as teenagers? Teenagers are messy and sloppy and kind of gross. And we are emotional messes because we're figuring things out and our bodies don't match our minds and our thoughts. And it just, it's a mess. It's just a firebin mess. And these adults that are interacting with these kids, like they're equals, it's like, what's wrong with these people? And in my upbringing, I came from a place where it was sort of like, if you dress a certain way, you're going to get certain attention and that's kind of your fault. And I was unfortunately a little bit older and I realized that's just bullshit. Like that is total bullshit. That is, and it's wrong. It, it puts all of that on that young person who just wanted to go out and feel good about themselves. And there is never a reason for someone to be inappropriate or rude. And I, so I, in, in the writing, I kind of wanted to do an outreach to people who might've been brought up in a way that I was of, you know, if they're the outsiders, they deserve what happens to them. They deserve this, you know, they bring it on themselves. Um, and people do sometimes you get tired of that feeling of, um, they expect the worst for me. So you know what? Fine. I'm just, 
I'll do whatever I want because I'm exhausted because even all the times I did something right, they're only going to see the one time I did something wrong. And I just think there's so much pressure on, especially girls. And I really, this will be kind of coming more forward in the next few books. It's just sort of like, no, you think you're mature and maybe you are, and you think you're in a healthy relationship and because you look up and admire this person, but the reality is this person is wrong and they're taking advantage of you and you, um, have nothing to be ashamed of for not seeing it or knowing it or understanding it. And that's really going forward. I'm kind of leaning more into that. I mean, Darren has a lot that she needs to kind of accept in herself, but there's going to be a lot of, these were things done to me and I retaliated, but they never should have happened. Like it never should have come to that because the adults in the world should not have been that doing those things. So it more, I guess, adult conversations kind of coming in book two of reality. But I just, I wanted to make sure I contrasted heavily what I grew up with thinking these things were kind of normal. And yeah, I don't know why they think that teacher is hot because they're just kind of whatever, they're middle age or whatever, to an adult going, this was so bad. <laughs> like, this was so bad. If everyone knew, why was it happening? It was awful. So, Yeah. Yeah, because when those things happen, when um, when you were talking about uh, high school kids being involved with teachers or older older people that, from a high school perspective, you're like, like you said, oh, you're so cool. Like, look at you being so mature and going out with these, you know, older people and how awesome is that? And from when you're saying from an adult's perspective, it's like, oh, you know, you're being taken advantage of. You're a victim. And the thing is, is as a teenager, you can't tell anybody. I mean, you could not have, I still have moments currently, but you could not have told me as a teenager, Anna, you don't know what you're doing. Because I knew everything. I was invincible. Like, what are you talking about? And it's once you have the perspective of you may have known the rules of the game that you were playing as a teenager, but you didn't know the rules of the game of the adult game. Right. You know, like you, cause you haven't been there yet. And so if you tell a teenager, Hey, you you're being taken advantage of, they're like, I knew exactly what I was doing. Yeah. But you didn't know what that other person was doing. You right. didn't know the other half of this game. And that's, that's the problem. Cause you know, you get so defensive of, you know, oh, I knew what I was doing. I'm an adult. I, you know, I could take care of myself. Don't worry about it. I'm making these choices, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, you just haven't seen the whole rest of the story. Right. And right. unfortunately, once you're older, then you look back of like, why did, yeah, exactly. Why did you fucking let this happen? Right. You, and and you think, you think too, as a teen that you can consent because you're of age, but, right. and I used to have this rule that I, I would joke about wanting to date someone my age, because if I was dating someone older, it's like, why couldn't they find someone their age to date? And I kind of, <laughs> I use that jokingly, but I'm really kind of pat myself on the back for doing that because Yes. I mean, you have to ask yourself why a 50 year old is dating the 17 year old girl. I mean, there's just like, what is wrong with this picture? And even though you, in your mind, you, you, maybe you, you know about all those things and you're consenting and you feel, well, I've given permission and I'm okay with it. I think there's just so much more 
that is being missed. And I think that's why people don't always come forward too, because I think, well, it was, it was a consented relationship. Like I, I did, it's like, no, if you cannot have, if you can't come to the table and all have the same things available to you, like you can't drink yet. You, you can't, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I don't even know that you can vote at that age yet. I mean, like there are adult things you are not allowed to do yet. If you don't have at least equal footing, at least on that level, you are, it's not an equal relationship. And it just, it's, I know it's hard. I was the same way. You probably couldn't tell me anything, but I do want to have more conversation about, I I think shame is so important to drive home that it's, you don't have to be ashamed. You can, you know, change your mind. I always tell my daughter, because she's like, what if I do something with someone and then I don't want to do it the next time or I change my mind later. And I'm like, then you tell them to stop. She's like, what if we're all, I said, it doesn't matter. You stop. You can stop at any time. It, it doesn't matter. You can give consent and then change your mind. Always. I, I, this BS about once the boy gets started, he can't, I don't care about the boy. I don't, you know, figure it out, but you can always stop. So yeah, I think there just needs to be more discussions in different ways because I was restricted. So sorry, I have a cat clawing at my door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually have a, a little dog clawing at my door, but uh, Corey now stacks stools in front of the stairs so she can't even <laughs> climb the stairs <laughs> get up here. So I was just going to circle back and say that taking age out of it, it's still an important concept for us to talk about and for even a 35-ish person (laughs) like someone speaking right now still gets the lesson out of there because victims have a tendency to also blame themselves Mm -hmm. and so in situations where they think they've given they they can't give consent all of these things that we're talking about for the young adult population is also I think true for many people just in general and it's good to to um let them know or talk about how it's okay to feel shame and we shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to change our minds. All of these things that we're talking about, I think apply to us as adults as well. Yeah. Especially the women. I think women get such a hard time on them because they're just automatically blamed. And I'm just trying to figure it now I'm on the other side going, but why though, if the violence is being done to them, why are they being blamed for the violence? Like I, that is so crazy to me. And then I look back at kind of where I came from and it's like, because it's predetermined that women are the cause for the fall and they're the cause for people to be sinful or lustful or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. If you can't see that 13 year old as a child, you have issues with you. Like there is something Mm. wrong with you. And it, it just, there's also this whole thing of, controlling your actions and it's like how how is that not a thing like why is it the kid's problem that her bra strap showing like why is it not this is you needing to learn to control your actions don't make responses don't assume anything about this person you don't know them don't it it just I'm like how is these why aren't these conversations happening more so yeah now do you explore the gender roles and the way that we feel as women do you explore that in your books about wiccan and witches and i i'm sorry i haven't i didn't read that one yet that's okay no um um, not so much 
I, especially with YA, I try to, I don't want to overwhelm because then it, it starts to sound like I'm preaching. Um, right. So I really right. try to show more with example, I guess. Um, the thing with the current book being the dead girl, the next book's coming out. She really builds a very good platonic relationship with her friend Link. And Link has grown up in a healthy environment where he was allowed to be himself. So he is a, he is a medium and that is just his life. And um, at some point he's even said, you know, I've seen a counselor for years about it. I mean, of course it affected him, but he's in his life. He's allowed to just be, that's just part of his life. You eat breakfast, you may see a spirit out the window. I mean, that's just his existence where a lot of people are not allowed to be themselves or explore themselves. So, and I think a lot of people have that once you get that friend that has a very different upbringing than you. And you're just like, wow, you can do that and not get struck down by lightning. Like, wow. It could be. Right. And it it helps you to sort of venture out and, and explore a little bit more. And I think that's really important to not just say, well, this is what I have and this is all that I have and this is what's correct. And this is what it has to be. It's like, but if you're not happy, you need to ask why, and you need to kind of let go of some of that and explore the the mess a little bit. So that's more what I'm focusing on, I guess, in these books is just somebody who was so kind of beaten down and then retaliated and then just coming, making decisions and being brave enough to make decisions, even though she doesn't trust her judgment. <laughs> so yeah, I gave her a healthy friend um, someone she could kind of bounce ideas off of, but she's still in control. I don't, I don't want my character to ever say to some guy, what do you think we should do now? Like, I don't ever want them to ever say that. If right, anything, right. the guy is going to turn to her and say, what are you going to do? That's kind of our space too. This is like our space to bounce ideas off of each other and listen to different stories, like having you on today and learning about different ways we could be as Mm -hmm. people just I I don't want to say better but I do want to say better just be better every day I kind of going back to the ghost thing and trying to I get I I don't I I've stopped trying to interpret the spirits around like I just kind of coexist and I I think that um it's helped to not it's helped me to be not judgmental. And I really kind of want that more in the writing universe. I want them to be more, just worry about your own page. Just worry about where you are right now and what you're doing. Um, Ground yourself and then look at the people around you. Cause you mean, you still care about people, but if you are a mess, you're just bringing a mess to the table, no matter where you go. So yeah, but it, yeah, I I did bring a lot of personal experience and some baggage. And I just really, I don't know, I'm kind of feeling out. I'm not really sure how I feel about certain things. So that kind of allows me a space to sort of let it play out in a safe fiction world. Like maybe it's this, I don't know. I will say one of my more, um, it wasn't alarming, though it sounds really bad. My son does not like to sleep by himself. He's just one of those kids that has to be touching you when he's sleeping. And we were still trying to like get him to stay in his own room without needing us to go in there. And one night I woke up and I saw him 
I saw his figure because all the lights were off. He was walking towards the bed and he was kind of that groggy, like, because, you know, it's dark and my room is not the cleanest room. <laughs> so he's like trying not to fall over things. And I'm sitting there going, do I really let him get all the way over here? Do I let him crawl into bed with me and maybe he'll fall asleep and then we can carry him? And we, I mean, like my husband can carry him because he's heavy. <laughs> Or do I like go ahead and get up with him and just take him back to his room and lay down with him? And he's going alongside the bed and he has his hands on the bed. And all of a sudden he just drops. And I, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, honey, are you okay? And I look over the bed and there's nothing there. And then I realized that was not my son. <laughs> and it wasn't like I was creeped out in the moment. And it wasn't like, I mean... It hit me more later. I had trouble sleeping more later. Like, guys, whatever. That's not cool. Okay. Like, nobody gets in the bed. Like, that's just not. It's our boundaries. No bed. But it's like the weird little things like that. Like, I experienced it. But there was nobody else there to experience. There was nobody else to see and interpret and say, well, you were dreaming. It's like, no. But I understand. So, I don't like share the experiences, but in my book, I can use that. I can use those moments that I know happened to me, but I can't like, I wouldn't like make a ghost page on a web page and say, this is my experience. Cause I know what people are going to say and they're, they are okay to say that, but yeah, it, it gives me a safe place to share my experiences without getting hit with ridicule and, and doubt, which I understand if I wanted to deal with, you know, people asking me questions or questioning my sanity, I would put myself out there in another platform. But in a book, it's a safe place that I can control the environment. What would you like uh, people to know about, you know, death and the afterlife and that type of thing? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I guess because I'm still kind of figuring it all out. Um, I came from a place where you either go up or down and even going up seemed very scary to me. It just seemed like they're like, no, it'll be light and praise all the time. And it's like, but I hate church. Like, I don't want to do that forever. I hate the music. I, I don't, the people, I don't like it, but I definitely don't want to be on fire forever either. Like, it just seemed like that's it. Like, that's just it. And um, it really tore me up until my daughter asked me that question. And it's like, just dawned on me. Cause I wasn't going to tell her something I wasn't really sure of. I wanted her to make her own decision. And it just, it hit me just like out of nowhere. If I believe in these certain parameters, I, I could never be separated from my child. I, I could never be in this great place doing all the great things if my children weren't with me. So why do I think that a higher being would be that limiting to us as individuals? Like why it, it just, I, I, I wanted to give up my fear and find some peace that made sense. And within the rational thought process, not just, Oh, well you had a choice to make and you didn't make the right one. So I'm going to be over here picking daisies and singing songs and you're just going to be on fire. It's like, I, I, what kind of person would I be? I wouldn't be myself anymore. And then at that point, 
any decision I make doesn't make sense if I'm just not going to be who I am. I, I don't know. It just, it, I stopped doing the loops and twists and turns and decided that I don't know. And that's okay. And it's okay to explore other ideas and it's okay to um, change my mind, which I hadn't had that freedom before. <laughs> so I guess if anything, I would like people to ask more questions and not just think there's only one way to ever be ever. And can you give um, all of our listeners the name and where they can find you on socials and your, find your book? Yes. Um, the book right now is being the dead girl. It is available on Amazon. It is on Kindle unlimited. Um, I am actually part of a, um, Oh, it's, it's a TBR. It, it's basically where a bunch of authors get together and for three days in June, we'll have their books for free um, to help encourage readers to download their books and write reviews because the reviews do help. Um, that will be June, I believe, 1st, 2nd, 3rd. So the book will be free if you don't want to pay 99 cents because you don't have KU. That's I totally get that. So it'll be free in June. Um, a Dangerous Longing is my urban fantasy fairy story, sort of a darker fairy story. It is also available on Amazon. Um, I am on Facebook, um, TM Perkins, and I also have a TikTok. I'm trying to find my, my name right now. It's TM Perkins, right? At TM Perkins, right? Right. Is writing Definitely. words. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I know I appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this information and uh, I look forward to reading the book. Yeah, I'm ready for your next one too. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm hoping to get that out in June also. So while the one's free, the other one will come out and then usually series do better in self-publishing. Mm -hmm. People like to have a set. So we're working on that, working on that now. That, that's also how crack dealers do it. The first one's free. But the rest of it, they get you hooked. It's your, it's your loss leader. And then you bring in the rest later. Like that was good. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on ladies. Do you have anything to tell the listeners? Excellent. What I had heard was we are out of time and we will see you next week. Thank you.